Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa, and I give a shit. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, uh, you know what? I'm just going to get this out of the way. Do you know that? Do you know any teenagers, any high school kids? Because if you do, we are actually doing this like incredible free after school program for teens uh, called, uh, well, it was called Teens Take the Mic, um, but now it's called something else. I don't know. What do I know? But anyway, it's really, really great uh, because you can learn how to make your own radio show. Teen Squad, that's what it's called. Our six-week after-school program for local teenagers. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash after-school. It's crazy. It's crazy that we do this for free. I, I don't know. But we're crazy here. And um, so speaking of kids and school and all that stuff, today's going to be kind of an interesting day. I have a... Uh, I have the progeny of a very good friend of mine, uh, his parents. Uh, It's Martin Kramer, and his parents are David Kramer and Susan Mitchell. A lot of people may know David Kramer because he is a very successful artist, very, very successful, and he's been on the show a couple of times And I've gotten to know his son, Martin, over the years because I've uh, kind of forced Martin to be in some of my projects. He's been uh, a guest on um, live my live radio show, but also as a child, he was on video uh, with his dad doing psychotherapy, and he's been in a couple other things. And uh, he is now an up-and-coming creative person himself, and he got into the film school that he of that he got into the school he wanted to go to can you believe that he got into um he got into concordia he he went to montreal but so we're going to be hearing from him in a minute but i just really wanted to tell you the story about what happened to me this morning so i had i went to my favorite place in bushwick and i had breakfast with a friend of mine and she doesn't live in town. And I thought I was showing her like some local cool Bushwick culture. And do you know what happened? There was a fucking bug in her breakfast. It was, t- and like I brought her to my favorite place. She found a bug. She wouldn't eat what she wouldn't eat anymore. She wouldn't take anything else from them. They gave us the meal for free. So now, and then she kind of like, she goes, oh, you're still going to eat yours? She was surprised. So what I'm saying is, am I gross or not? And I am, I do not know. I do not know. Um, and I'm putting it out there. If you have an opinion, please let me know if that was gross that I ate. We ordered the same thing. I should let you know that. So, okay, I'm going to have Martin come on in a second and explain his films for us. But Basically, what I want you to know is we're going to discuss two films of his. They are both pasted. They are both posted on my Facebook page, and they're very short and uh, really, really, really well done. Uh, Martin is the director. He is the writer. He's he he's 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 pretty 
he's pretty talented, I gotta say. Uh, you know, he got he got pretty good genetics there, you know. And uh, so one of it's called Empty Nest, and that's done in the spring of 2019. They're very new. Anything Martin would make is very new because he's pretty new on this planet himself. So Empty Nest is only six minutes, and Blue Cowboy, which he made in the summer of 2019, is only five minutes. So it's not they're not long. We're going to have a really interesting discussion right now. So I advise you, I implore you to go to my Facebook page and just kind of get a feeling about what the films are like. Hello, Martin, are you there? I'm here, Lisa. Oh, good. Let's see if we can hear you. Say hello again. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you. I, is that the best we can do on your phone on your end? Uh, I'm talking into the microphone of my phone. All right. How, how bad do I sound? Do I sound like I'm breaking or? I wish you were a little louder. It's okay. not ideal, Martin. It's not ideal, but we're going to do this, and I think it's going to be totally fine. I've always been told I'm not loud enough. So well, I'm you know, well, Martin, there, you're not loud, and you are. I'm not. I'm not a mumbler anymore, you, though. Okay, I good. Just speak, speak as loudly there. as you can and as clearly as you can. So, so far, did I give a pretty accurate uh, description of you from my point of view there? Yeah, I think I'm new to this earth. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm working hard. I'm always trying to do new stuff, so. Right. I would say that everything I'm doing is new. And you have two creative parents, and you were brought up in Manhattan. Like, how can you lose, right? Yeah, I guess so. I I mean, I had the move because I just didn't want to live with my parents anymore. And you can't really live in Manhattan as someone starting out, I find. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you would have had to live at home if you lived in New York. And that would have been a disaster because we all live in apartments, right? Yeah. Yeah, and how are you going to, like, bring people home and, like, all that stuff, right? Yeah, you can't really see anyone when well, you're living with your parents. Well, you can't. You can. It's just like your parents are going to know everything that's going on, and who wants that? Yeah. Um, no one. <laughs> no one. So, Martin, no matter how cool your parents are, so, Martin, um, we're going to talk about these two films, Empty Nest, which uh, w- they're both very recent, made in the spring, and Blue Cowboy, made in the summer. Let's focus, well, why don't you give us a really brief discussion, and then we'll focus on one at a time, but why don't you give us, like, your elevator pitch of what Empty Nest is? So, Empty Nest is... A film about an older woman. A grandma. I'm an older woman. She's older than I am. It's grandma type, right? I I think she's an older woman. 
she's she looks older than me, right? Doesn't she? Okay, folks, it's a grandma type. She looks like a grandma. Go ahead. With Jocelyn, my my actor, so I have to. Oh, you want to make her feel good? She is a great actress. She she is a great actress. I wanted to ask you how you found her because she is really, really good. But go ahead. Well, so, well, she plays, you know, kind of herself. She is alone in her home, and it looks like a home that would be occupied by a bunch of people. It's huge, and she just does her day-to-day things, eats breakfast, cleans up, and then she has a dream about the person who used to live with her, this younger boy, and it kind of helps you. Kind of about your age, right? Well, maybe a little young, like in your age group, right? Broadly. Well, the actor is 19, so. Okay, your age, yeah, Yeah, okay. Around my age. And what is the dream about? Well, the dream is very surreal. I try to do my best with the empty nest metaphor and try and make it a little bit more visual. Like the boy has wings. There's a cage, a bird cage that he flies away from. It's very much in the vein of German expressionism. Uh, Man, you sound like a college kid. Yeah, okay. That's so intellectual, uh, Martin. I can't believe you said that, but go ahead. I'll take it seriously. I don't know what you mean, but I'll take it seriously. Go ahead. um, Well, I just mean like it's very much an homage to an older style of Give us a name of a director. Oh, a name of a director would be um like uh i'm having trouble thinking off the all right all right we'll come back to that look up you know guys do your own research you can look it up yeah you german films like nosferatu yeah sunrise those are german oh fritz lang okay fritz lang okay good good you pass You know what I really like about the, the one of the things that really stood out to me about the directing in that film, Martin, is the way that you transitioned into the dream sequence, because I thought it was very, very well done. I thought it was, um, that's a hard thing to communicate, and I think it's hard to communicate it in a non-cliched way, and I thought you really, I thought you really got that down very, very, very well and in an original way. That was that was a really good uh, move. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I really hard to like juxtapose real life and dream life. Like um, I've been writing down my own dreams and such and really been paying attention to them. And, you know, even that's not enough. I had to co-edit the film with my partner and uh, we had to... Um, you know, we were just like, how can we make something look like a dream and feel so, um, emotional? And that's why 
it's in uh it's in black and white so it could have like the super grim shield and uh i also in shooting it's shot um in a studio where mm-hmm. i put these infinity black curtains everywhere mm-hmm. and when we color correct that into being black and white um the goal was to make it look like this infinite space that's never ending black and i felt like that really helped yeah good job did you do this you did this at concordia yeah it was an assignment oh Um, and this may make the form of the film make sense the the form was to make a a film with non-sync sound ah all of the sounds were recorded after the shooting. Oh, wow. That's tough. They really are They're teaching tough. you crap there, aren't they? So listen, yeah. Martin, tell us about the other film. The other film, Blue Cowboy, is more grounded. I would say there's a flashback, but no dream stuff. It's about a cowboy who is having a flashback about this relationship with another man that he has kind of in the vein of Brokeback Mountain. And I didn't see Midnight Cowboy, (laughs) but it's what I imagined Midnight Cowboy would be before I watched it. So it's like kind of hints that he's gay, but like, I don't really want to show well, sex in films because that could be very dry. So in the flashback, it's like this man who's a barber and he smears shaving cream all over his face, which hints to something. And then, you know, the film is him dealing with that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, also, also the picture of the person the the man that he had the relationship with is i i can say this, it's your photo right you used your own photo yes i act in that film yes play the, the barber <laughs> oh really oh yeah but i mean you're also like his kind of interest right his romantic yeah. interest or whatever his yeah, interest the role I play. right right and um so it's it's kind of interesting and a little unexpected that you would have put yourself in that role, right? First to some of us. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean not not like just wouldn't have I mean I think you I, I think I think you took some personal risk there. Some emotional personal risk in doing that, right? Involving making the film and then including yourself in there, right? That must have felt a little risky. Yeah, it's a little risky. You're pushing yourself, which is good. We like that. Because you're doing a performance, which is always demanding. So I made it a little easier on myself. There's no speaking. It's just very physical. And, um, you know, like it's a tough subject. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk in depth 
about um, your fir- the first film called Empty Nest. Now, the thing yeah. is, is you made that in the spring of 2000, this past spring. And oh, I you- released that in spring. Oh, and when did you make it? it, it, it there's a lot of snow in the movie, so I don't... When did you start it? When did, when did you start it? I started around December and filmed it in February, and then I released it in April, the spring. Okay, so the point, I- the point I want to make is that you left for college in the fall, right? Yeah. In September, and this film called Empty Nest was made in December, correct? Yes, it's very related to my move. Right. So I want to I want to hear about that. I want to hear so what what were you what were you what would you what were you thinking? Um I was thinking about a lot of things that um I could luckily talk about now because I was very sad at the time. I was going through a lot of anxiety because I, for one, had moved to a new country and because I live in Montreal now. And two, I'm starting university. And um, three, I have to make this film. But Something was going on that was very personal to me, which was my grandfather was dying. And um, I and like I felt like I left my family that was going through something very emotional Mm -hmm. at the time. And I felt like it was hard to project those feelings, you know, from a distance. So I thought that putting it into a film would help. Wow. So um, did you talk to your parents about it's your mother it was your mother's father, right? Yes. It was so did you talk father. to your parents about this directly, this feeling? Uh, yes, I did. So it they knew you little, were. Con- they yeah, knew you. It was very hard at first because when I told my parents, I was having anxiety attacks. Um, It was very unfortunate, but my grandfather actually died at that time. And they decided not to tell me. Oh. I came back to New York. So, which I am grateful for because, you know, it was already so much. Mm. But I did have this perception that my grandfather was still dying while I was away. Mm-hmm. So do you and think that, one- that this, this is what I'm wondering about. I think that like, I mean, also listeners, listeners, you guys out there, listen, I've been to this house. I know it. I know what the situation is. It's a fairly generous two bedroom apartment, but it's a Manhattan apartment. And Martin is an only child, and he grew up in this apartment his whole life with these two people. And they're all like, you know, they're pretty, they're all, I think they're all pretty open people and stuff like that. And I think it's probably a big deal. It's not like, you know, 
it's not like somebody living in a house with like four brothers and sisters going off. I mean, that's a pretty tight family unit, right, Martin? Oh yeah. It it was very it was very um, you know, like connected. Some families are very large. Like my grandfather who died was my only living grandfather while I was alive. The same with my grandmother, so I only had one mm-hmm. set of grandparents. So mm-hmm. you know, there was always this realization that there wasn't that many of us, at least on my mom's side of the family, that mm-hmm. we were all very close with each other. And, mm-hmm. uh, Do you think that maybe there was like a lot I mean, I think for for anybody going away to school, I think that's a really big deal. I mean, for anybody, for the parents to have a kid leave for school, especially their only child, for the kid leaving. I think there's a lot of, and it's a huge adjustment to, um, you know, to, to start college in, in a different country. They speak a lot of French there all new everything and it's not like you can go home on the weekend easily. So don't do you think that maybe all the stress of starting a new new life new life change uh a, a new life phase might have what, added to that naturally? Oh, for, for sure. When I moved it was very exciting at first because I was meeting all these new people and starting out. And then that slows down and you officially live here. And that's kind of when it gets a little heavy. Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily homesick, but I was kind of feeling bad that I left my family a bit. Like I felt like they probably all missed me and have been adapting to me not being around uh anymore i mean and i'm having like a fall so i felt i don't know if i should have but i felt a little guilty about it yes so you felt like you abandoned them yeah Mm-hmm. but do you also feel like you also really miss them oh for sure so it's kind of like both, right? Yeah, it's a weird feeling because it's like, how can you miss someone and also feel like you abandoned them? Like to abandon someone, you kind of have to not care. But maybe it's just like my anxiety that <laughs> makes me think both of those things instead of choosing one. <laughs> Whatever you did right now, you sound better, by the way. You sound like, keep doing, whatever, however you configured okay. that, keep doing that. I'm just, I'm, I'm kneeling to my phone. I'm facing forward. I'll keep That's doing much that. better. Much better. Okay. Uh, um, so here's the, th- make more sense. here, here's the thing. Um, as a, as a, uh, self-proclaimed psychotherapist, I'm going to, um, posit that perhaps, uh, the actual feeling of you missing them was so much that you also had to mitigate it by feeling that maybe you abandoned them. 
You think so? Maybe. Because, like, Just putting it out there. Maybe because I didn't really have anyone to talk about it with because the people I was really close to were far away. That. Mm-hmm. So how did you hand, handle it? Did you talk to your parents? Did you say, did you call them up and say, I miss you, I miss you? Or how did, how did it go down? Or did you just try to cope on your own? Or I would talk to them here and there. You know, I tried to do it regularly at least once a month, but I'm pretty sure I talked to them every two weeks. But all this, Schoolwork and moving, mm-hmm. everything was moving so quick mm. that I can't be so sh- certain. But whenever I did think the talk to them, mm-hmm. I would talk to them. But mm-hmm. I would not necessarily, in the beginning, talk about uh, feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. And then did you eventually? Yeah, and that was by December. And how did... How was, did that help to talk to them that you were anxious? I think so. I haven't had an anxiety attack like that since then. Ah, well, that, that, that's great. They were, they were really bad. Those anxiety attacks. I, Uh, I couldn't like breathe or uh, at all. They were really No, I can, uh, I, I mean, I, I can, I, I, they can be really bad. Did did uh, have you had them before? At other times, um, or was that new? Not this bad. I've had like anxiety attacks where I didn't want to do much before, but that was once a long time ago. But this was different because of the whole feeling like you can't breathe mm. and that is mm. never happened. Did you go to a doctor or anything? <laughs> um, I tried. Uh, I like um, went to the free yeah, uh, the health service counseling that they have but you know I'm in like a, Concordia is a university with so many students. Right that I wanted it to be a regular thing, but there were so many weeks. But it wasn't like you had like a panic attack and you couldn't breathe and you went to emergency room. No, nothing like mm-hmm. that. So what it were you, what kinds of things were you worried that you were abandoning your parents? What were you, what, what, what was going on in your head? Well, like I said, I was really worried about, when my grandfather was going to die because in my mind I was still imagining that it was happening because mm-hmm. they didn't tell me that he did pass away. Mm-hmm. He was very sick for a, a long period of time. And, you know, he was also kind of an anxious character that it trickled down to me. But his his makes a little bit more sense or not more sense i think my anxiety makes sense but it's much more direct that it's understandable Mm -hmm. because he was a war veteran so he has 
PTSD right. he was in the Korean War, mm. and he he was actually shot mm. in the lung, so he wasn't breathing, and he was pronounced dead. In- and uh, wow, so was, that was that was how bad he was hurt. Wow, but wow. he actually survived, and um, so he kind of for a period of time had like strange views of the world not like in a political sense like he was he was like you know moderate but i mean like just how he he's he was only had like a certain amount of friends and he was very close Mm -hmm. to my family he whenever my mom and i used to visit him growing up he would always ask us to stay over the night. Mm-hmm. And even if we did stay over the night just because it's like, oh, why not? We have a weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. And we stayed over that night. He would want us to stay over the the next night, you know. Oh, he didn't he want to be very, alone? Yeah, he was very mm-hmm. cleaning person. Where, where, so that's, uh, that's why I felt guilty about leaving. Ah, uh, he's emotionally like, neat. I feel like that connects the empty nest a lot, mm. especially uh, in the the dream sequence with the mm-hmm. symbolism of the cage, because I felt not trapped, like I never was against my will or anything, but it was very emotionally demanding to always be there. Right, right, right. That's why you put the bird cage with the bird that escaped, folks, in yeah. the film, right? Um yeah. How often did you see him? Like, where did he live? He lived in Bayport, Long Island. That's oh, Suffolk not County. too far. So you probably saw yeah. him a lot, right? I did. Mm-hmm. And that's why, why it's mm-hmm. kind of weird that it would still not feel like enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So I right. Like that, that trickle down to my anxiety that I have mm-hmm. about um, abandoning my family, even if that's not true. It just feels true because of that. Right. Well, there was also and probably then, some ambivalence about visiting him. Like there's part of you that wanted to see him, but there's part of you that just was like, oh, I don't want to go. What kid wants to go to spend the weekend with the old guy? Let's be honest, especially if they're I out like, uh, over 12. I like my grandparents a lot, but like I said, because my grandfather had like strange views of just like how to socialize with people, his idea of hanging out was just watching TV all day Mm. (laughs) because, you know, that's like a very, that's like the old American dream is that you get big cars and big TVs. Yeah. And like, that was really cool when I was up growing up from like one to 12, but eventually it's like a little bit numbing. And of course. No, of course. TV anymore. I, I was like, well, you know, I was going to I was going to say, you know, also the thing is, is that um, your fa- your grandfather um, 
like being like not knowing whether he was going to be living or not when you left for college, like that's a very final, that's like a lot, a big change in the family. Um, and the timing of it is, must've put a lot of extra pressure on. I can imagine you feeling a lot of extra stress because it's kind of like you leaving, uh, the the family while everything is going to change and be like worse and different and if you don't leave maybe it won't change i mean not that that's rational but i can imagine like how that could feel might feel like that you know what i mean i know what you mean and in some regards i do feel good about leaving because I don't know, like it's a lot for me thinking about it, and I wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. Passed away. Mm-hmm. So, but I, maybe it was good yeah. that you had that to focus on instead of like, you know, some of the other things that are just more shades of gray. Like, are you going to be able to do good in school? Are you going to be able to compete? Are you going to make friends? It's fucking scary, man. It's like one of the scariest things any of us ever do. I'm going to do yeah. station ID. And then when we come back, let's talk about the other, the other movie. How's that? Okay. All right. That's works with me. So I'm going to tell people, hi, uh, this is Dr. Lisa. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I'm here every Thursday, two to three. Uh, with Radio Free Brooklyn. And I, I said this before, but I'm going to, because, you know, we're supposed to rotate our on-air reads, but I think this one is really timely. And because uh, who my guest, I think I'm just going to, like, pitch it again. I mean, I want to tell you guys what you need. Do you know any teenagers? Are you a teenager? Are you a high school kid that lives anywhere in New York? Because if you are, you have this amazing free, I said free, opportunity to join our after-school program. It's a really, really great program, all kidding aside. It's called RFB Teen Squad. And it's a six-week after-school program for local teenagers to learn media by making radio shows, okay, I'm just, with local professionals, that's us, but real real professionals. If you'd be interested in participating or donating, folks, this is a great thing to donate because, you know, people will grow up to be like Martin, filmmakers, you know, all sorts of like accomplished creative people. You got to get them to the next level. So go to uh, radio uh, free brooklyn.org radiofreebrooklyn.org slash after school and remember all donations are tax deductible okay back to you martin so let's get another recap of uh so your parents are okay let's just finish that like i think they're doing really well like all the you don't feel like that you're abandoning them anymore do you or do you no we feel collectively way better now it's better right you got your own life they're proud of you 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 made the transition right yeah everything i think worked out 
and you're really i i think i'm in, i mean i think it's impressive you know i think it i think they're impressed i'm impressed i think anybody would be impressed to uh see somebody i mean you wanted to go to concordia really bad that was you know you were really hoping to get in there and it happened see that yeah see that if you if you're a parent don't ignore your kid (laughs) have help them out encourage them it may be difficult but encourage them it works sometimes it worked with martin so yeah. far, Martin, you know, you're not off the hook until you get that Sundance thing going. That's true. All right. Don't always be nagging me. Yeah. That. You got, I yeah. mean, you know, you're off to like, you're off to the races. There's just no doubt. But, you know, you still got to keep, you got to keep that going. You can't, this is not yeah. just like, hey, I made the transition. We're all cool now. You know what I mean? You got to keep going. And you oh, will. Yeah. I believe in you, Martin. You know that. Mike? My parents want producer credits now. And they, the, they don't, they, well, that's, uh, that would be honest. They should get them. So let's talk about your other movie, Blue Cowboy. Just, uh, so Blue Cowboy, I'm going to describe it for you in my words. Cause let's see it. Let's see if I can add something. To, let's see if we can add something to this or something different. The way I see it is, um, it's a cowboy, uh, looking at a picture. He's kind of like in the bathroom or something, a very macho sort of, you know, it did remind me of, um, you know, uh, cowboy, uh, midnight cowboy a little bit, but, it, but just, you know, much subtler. And he's looking at this picture of a guy. It's you. Uh, he uh, goes out on, you know, he's downtrodden. He's walking around a really freezing cold Montreal. He gets to the water he rips up the picture of you, Martin. I forgot about that barbershop part, so let's just forget about that now. And we're getting to the hot, we're, we're just talking broad strokes. And then he rips up the picture, which is of you, his, you know, it seems like a love interest, and uh, throws it into the water and then slumps home. How's that, Martin? That's perfect. Yeah? Okay, I did it. Yeah. Okay, well, folks. I, mean, I have. I am your publicist. Are you kidding? What do you think this is about? Where's? <laughs> I better get a fucking producer credit too. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, that's perfect. I think. What? I was getting, That's perfect. I oh, okay, good. That's your elevator pitch. There you go. All right, Martin. I'm glad you. I'm glad we. I'm glad. That's good. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm learning here too. I'm getting something out of this. So. Okay. I want points. I want points on this film, Martin. Am I going to get points? Well, I did just release it. Maybe. Can we do the re-release. Um. Okay. I'm not yeah, going. Martin. Let's. 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 So here's the thing. Um. Uh, about this film that that is is very interesting uh how do how do i put this so the thing is is that the martin the martin that i know is just like a normal like hetero hetero guy and he's making this film that has gay implications so uh, we would have, so exp- explain that Martin. 
Yeah. And don't be afraid of coming out on air either, by the way. Well, that's why I put this whole show together. To, no, I. <laughs> <laughs> you're gay. Well, so what? So no, no, no you're no. not. I don't know. I'm Whatever a, you are, who cares? Know. Doesn't matter. Well, Doesn't well, matter. You the, go ahead. Well, let me just say the film is confusing. I understand that. And that's because. I'm in a little bit of a confusing situation. I don't like to make statements about myself because, well... We're not going to get into deep conversation about your sexuality on the air. Yeah. No way. No but, way. You're, 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 no way. But, you. but, but, so, like, that's off the table, but you, you say it's confusing. Can you explain that in a way that's, you well, know, PG? I, well, um, I understand what you mean is that people perceive me as this heterosexual man, but um, I don't know. Things are changing a little bit because I'm in a relationship right now with someone who is non-binary. So some people actually perceive me as gay now, or at least in a gay relationship and when people ask me if I'm gay or straight I just don't know how to answer that oh because so I thought mm -hmm. I thought I could make a film about that confusion not with answers but just like is this person gay or straight or closeted or open you know so that's no. really awesome and brave and like also like what good art is about which is really exposing yourself and making it real about truth which is true in both these films i applaud that martin i really do well, thank you um so the thing is is that um have i met your partner i've seen pictures of no they don't have they're they're canadian and um they don't have a passport, so unless you've been to Canada. Oh, so I never, I, I never met this person, that. but I have seen pictures. So this person presents. This person is biologically in a female body, right? Okay, I just, I just, I'm just in order to have in order for people to really get the full understanding well, I, of what we're I, talking I'm about. I want them to know. I don't know how public they want to be, if that makes sense. So I, you don't want to talk. Well, I don't know, but I'm saying like, I just wanted people to know that what I was trying to get across was that when they people meet you with your part, part, you consider that person your partner, right? Do you? Yes. Okay. I consider them my partner. Okay, so when they see you with your partner, it's not as simple as if they're seeing you with, like if they saw you with uh, um, somebody who presented obviously as a man, they would might they might not be asking you whether you were gay. That's the point I was trying to make. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, some people see, because my partner is non-binary, they see that I'm either with a man or with a woman and in the in between um well you know i'm trying to understand so i you know as you know i'm 
old. I'm older than your parents, actually. A little bit, a little bit. Not a lot, but a bit. And the thing is, is that uh, I I do, while well, I live in Bushwick, of course, I know plenty of non-binary people, but since they haven't, I haven't, in the in the era of my life when I was dating, there were no, mm-hmm. there weren't any non-binary people. Well, they existed. They well, just right, but it wasn't part of my where you were my experience. I do, I have very little um, dating, any kind of dating experience with non-binary people personally. So okay. when. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be dating a non-binary individual because there's a point where, like, do you know about it immediately? Do you not, like, how, I don't even understand, like, how, like, I don't understand it. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to put that out there. Like, I get the concept. I know people like that. I respect it. Um, I think think it's really positive. Like I'm really happy when I see like male, female, non-binary as choices. Uh, I'm all for it. I think it's a, I think it's a very advanced, I think it's an advancement in our society and our culture and all that. I'm all for it. But as far as actually having any personal experience, what it would be like to date a non-binary person or even go out on a date with a non-binary person. I have no idea what that's like, right? Yeah. So well, how does it come up? Is it like right away or like what, 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 what? I mean, is it, was it confusing? Did you know non-binary people before you went to college? Yeah, I know non-binary or trans people. You know, I, I had a pretty... You're um, kidding. You're, you you grew up in New York. Yeah. I, I was friends with a lot of people. Yeah. No, um, I know. So I you know, grew up in New York. You were around I, non-binary kids, but Yeah, but I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm bragging about it. <laughs> oh. That's not That's not a correct. No, you sound like you're bra- you don't sound like you're bragging about that. You sound like maybe it's cool that you got into Concordia, maybe a little bit there, but no, not about this. So, um, so, um, you're way more sophisticated than I am, Martin, really. Yeah. So I, I feel like people are more comfortable talking to me about who they are. Uh huh. So when I met my partner, I met them as a non binary person. Right. And, um, so I had no perceptions before of them right. being either a man or a woman or anything on the binary. And I felt like, um, you know, we understood each other mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily something I would ever think about growing up because I was always under the perception because, you know, it's just how we're institutionalized that I was going to be dating a woman one day. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Okay. um, Here's a question I want to ask you. 
Now, you were attracted to this person, right? Obviously. I mean, I'm going to take that for granted. Um, And it is, you you know, like, I mean, uh, I think until you went, you until this relationship, you probably identified as hetero, right? Yeah. Okay. So you were attracted to this person who presented as female and biologically as female. So, and they presented themselves as non-binary. Okay. But it still has a female body. True. Um, Genetics. Well, they, work hard to kind of hide any features that you would be thinking either or the end. Okay. I'm going to just get down to bet brass tacks here. If the two of you are naked in a room together, they're not hiding anything. Yeah. Okay. But I thought we were talking about before. was what. Well, so I'm saying, like, do you think if it was a male biologically, and you can tell me to shut up if I'm out of line. I don't want to push this. Am I am I pushing uh, this? Is this okay to talk about? It's, you- a li- it's a little bit pushing, but I would just like to say that when I met my partner, I did not jump to any conclusions because of if if you were there you would understand that they presented themselves in a way where you you, you really you couldn't tell in between oh you yeah. mean you okay so maybe i'm just that's like the that's like the point is that you don't look like you're on the binary Oh, so so I'm misunderstanding out of my naivete. You didn't really know if it was a male or female. Is that what you're saying when you met them? Or male, female, uh, biologically, body? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I'm, so I'm missing. I miss that, right? It's okay. Oh. I understand. (laughs) Okay, well, no, but thank you, Martin. Thank you. Now I get it. Or I get it more. Now I get it more. Okay. That's interesting. I I learned something there. I hope everybody else, I hope all the old people out there, maybe I hope all the, I hope all the old people out there get that. I get that. Well, I'm, I'm on the binary. I see myself as a man and present myself as a man. So I'm not really the ambassador of non-binary people, by the way. No, no, but I mean, you know, it's just fundamentally I, I, I learned something there, and that's, that's the whole point here of what we're trying to get done as human beings, talking. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad I could help. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but as far as, so um, how about out in the world? Is it, is it like how, what? I mean, is it challenging to be in a relationship like that or, you know, or I mean, you, you know, Martin, I, would, I, you're, I just want people to know, you know, you're a really great guy. You're very like a loyal, really decent guy. I have you're you know, this is the only 
I've known you, you know, a long time, and this is the only person I've seen you involved with. So I know they mean a lot to you, and they must be really special. There's no question about that. This is not a, you are not a fly-by-night type person in in relationships. I want everybody out there to know that about my friend Martin Kramer. So uh, what's it, but what's it like? Is it challenging being, you know, going to rest? Like, does, what comes up for you that's different? Or what, what are you getting? What are you well, learning? What can you what share comes, with us? What comes up for me is, you know, as I said before, some people either see me as straight or they see me as gay. And at first, because like I said, I was grown up to be a heterosexual person when people were talking to me like I was gay. There would always be hesitation where I would just say, no, I'm straight, but I am dating this person, you know? And I don't know. I don't even think saying that I'm gay is the right answer. But what I am saying is that I feel like I don't have to be certain. Oh, that's interesting. That's been been a really good feeling. Oh, wow. You are sophisticated. Wow. Thank you. I don't know about that. (laughs) Wow. So, um, did, did, did being with this person, um, I mean, so did this whole question of your sexuality come up? And is that what the film is? I mean, that inspired the film? Yes, that inspired the film pretty heavily, I would say. And mm-hmm. even while making the film, I wouldn't necessarily tell people that. Mm-hmm. Because, so I don't know if some people watch the film and they're like, oh, this guy, he's totally gay and coming out or some people think like this guy's just faking and queer fading like mm-hmm. I don't know if like mm-hmm. that's right or wrong you know what I mean well what's really interesting about it as a piece of art is that um, just as a piece of art like if people see it and they don't know you they probably you know, are going to think it's a gay film or something like that. But what's really interesting is that's all irrelevant because as a piece of art, you made that to uh, discover things and learn things for yourself, right? And that's more important than, uh, you know, your own growth is more important, is what the art's about, right? So you made that a priority. It's a great example of that, right? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did try to make it personal. Mm-hmm. I yeah. So did want you want it to be um, fake or mm-hmm. try to copy? Did that help you express that confusion? I think so. Because when people saw it, they saw you as gay in the film, right? Yeah. Or you saw yourself as gay. Well, I portray like a gay character. In the right. Film. Right. So that's very interesting. I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, yeah, I try, I try to make it a little bit more easier mm-hmm. for people to understand because as we had our little 
confusing conversation, I decided to just make both of the characters very masculine people because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, people still think that like being gay is just mm-hmm. being a homosexual, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So I felt like Does your partner does your I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're gonna have to we're gonna have I just want one more question because we only got like two minutes left and I wanna make sure we get your webs you know, where to get look at your work. So um does your partner care one way or the other on how you categorize yourself? Um or is that is that an is that something that you think about? What? I think in the beginning, yes. And now it's no longer a problem because we both just care about each other. Right. It's great. Your parents must have a good relationship. They made a good example for you. Look at that. So Martin, Martin, let's go through where they can. um, uh, First of all, uh, these two movies are film, short films. They're short, five, six minutes. Come on, folks. They're both on my Facebook page, so you can see them. But if you don't, uh, uh, and then I'm going to post them again when I post the episode. But if not, you can go to Martin Kramer. Just search Martin Kramer on Vimeo. Is that correct, Martin? Yeah, go on Vimeo. You could search up my name, Martin Kramer, or search up the titles of the films. And those titles are Empty Nest. And the other title is The Blue Cowboy. Okay. Thank you so much for calling in, Martin. I, I feel like this was this was great. I feel like, you know, I, I love you, Martin. Okay, there you okay. go. I hope my partner isn't upset that I, I mentioned that. I, well, I think we I think I think you I think it's very clear that you're respectful to them and uh I I I, you know, I hope that I, if anybody was disrespectful, it might've been me. And that was totally out of naivete. And I apologize if I was disrespectful and I hope I wasn't because I I don't mean it that way. What? I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't. I hope I wasn't either. I hope I didn't. Um, I, I think that you really care about this person a lot and I think that's the most important thing and you respect them a lot. So I'm going to go with that, but I want to, uh, talk about the person who's been helping me out in the studio today. My new friend, my new lovely friend, Kay, she is so great. She's like, I keep saying to her. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. 